Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that is still hitless for the postseason. I'm Jake Mitz. That's Jordan Schusterman. We are the Cespedes Family Barbecue. Jordan, I can't get a knock. What I'm hearing from you, Jake, is that Jose Altuve does not have a baseball podcast. That's basically what you seem to be telling me. As Mr. Over 23 has not lost a postseason game yet, but he is still over 23. That is Jose Altuve. <laughs> if Derek Jeter was Mr. November and Reggie Jackson is Mr. October, is Jose Altuve Mr. March? Or is that like Jake Fox? <laughs> no. Jose Altuve has done plenty in October. He can afford an over 23, unlike most uh, players. But yes, Jake, we are here. We are recording this late on Thursday evening. You are in Philadelphia, uh, where you will witness game three of the NLCS tomorrow. We are going to spend most of this episode uh, talking about the first two games of the ALCS. But let's rewind before you took a red-eye cross-country flight and didn't sleep at all and uh, try to remember what happened in Game 2 between the Phillies and the Padres. So just to be clear, if I sound stuffy, that's you. That's not me. That's something with your headphones. Yeah, that's definitely a you problem. (laughs) It's not Jake not having any sleep and traveling. Look, I have one hour of sleep. I've had what? Yeah, exactly. I've had one hour of sleep. I think in the last forty-eight hours. Um, yeah, that's that's an oversight. Probably around like four not, in the last not two a days. But not a lot. But you know, I love baseball so much, and I love the listeners that I'm willing to endure a nose that is clogged up beyond really as as clogged up as I've been in some time. But the game and the show goes on. So let's yes. talk about game two of the National League Championship Series in which the San Diego Dads came back down 4-0 to to win the game in pretty convincing fashion when everything was said and done uh, with a final score of, what was it, 8-5? 8-5. Five? Five. Five. I was there. It's weird. When you're at games, you almost <laughs> like remember the score less, right? Yes, yes. You you remember certain moments, uh, but the, the, the final score, maybe not, but... It, what you said is, is you remember that the Padres won it rather handily and for being down for nothing sure it was early, but there was a feeling we were getting, you know, Padres are cooked texts. And I was kind of like, wow, like, are the Phillies just going to roll and just win the World Series? Like that was after that second inning. I was like, oh, my God, like, is this really what's happening? Uh, and then Aaron Nola wasn't quite as sharp and the Padres had another big inning the way that they had against the Dodgers in the last round. There was about an hour where I texted my girlfriend and was like, might be able to come home to see you between the NLCS and the World Series. 
Um, but then I then that then I took that back because it is one to one. So in the fourth inning, a combination of classic Blake Snell and the Sun befuddling Juan Soto gave Philly a early 4-0 lead. Mm-hmm. But like you said, Aranola was merely mediocre. First start since July 26th in which he allowed multiple home runs. Pretty and crazy. It, and it was back-to-back. Uh, and it was back-to-back. Brandon Drury and Josh mm-hmm. Bell went yard off him in the second. He just was not sharp. Like It was weird because he was getting guys out, but there were a lot of hard hit balls. And in the fifth inning, he got himself into some trouble. And the Padres tied things up on a bunch of hits, including one from his brother. Do you want to let's take this moment to talk about that? Jordan. Do you know their brothers? Yeah, that was that was mentioned. Your tweet did make me laugh, the phrasing of <laughs> brothers to meet <laughs> in the postseason. Um, yeah, re- really weird. Like you would have assumed that they would have at some point connected over the years, but I guess <laughs> this was the first time. The brother stuff is incessant but it's also great because obviously it's going to be drilled into our minds a million times by the end the series over but like the video of his dad reacting is worth the incessant nature of the conversation because it is real like it is his kid both of them they're both his kid right they're his kids and he wants them both to be happy and that's impossible it is an impossible outcome every time that they faced off. But it is specifically impossible because it is a pitcher and a hitter. They're the first pitcher and hitters to, to face each other as brothers uh, in the postseason, I believe. And that that manifested in that RBI single from Austin Nola because we've seen brothers play against each other in baseball. That, that happens every year. You see the parents and it's really cool. But th- in those situations, one brother gets a hit, the parents cheer. The other brother gets a hit, the parents cheer. Not that complicated. But in this situation, when Aaron Nola's start is crumbling <laughs> because of his brother, you can see the conflict. And it was so, so funny. <laughs> it was it was very funny. You can make an argument that that was the most stressed baseball parent has ever been, right? It's the highest stakes Even baseball though parent. it's the coolest thing ever, it is also the most stressful thing ever. Right, because usually baseball brothers are the same position. More often than not, for whatever reason, right? Mm-hmm. I would say there yes. are more examples of like the Molinas mm-hmm. or the Rogerses. That's a mm-hmm. weird deep cut, Jake. <laughs> then there are like the Maytons. Mm-hmm. Uh, which so the Nola. Which, it's a shame Phil punched that locker because, you know, there was a world where we were going to get this again, uh, possibly in the World Series. Um, but alas, they'll have to stay in the regular season. Uh, but in that inning, you know, so, so you know, Austin starts it off. Uh, and then we got Profar, and then Soto finally has his moment with the rocket double down the line. Machado strikes out. That ends Nola's outing. Here comes bad hand, Brad Hand. And let me tell you, I feel like I've seen Brad Hand hit the first batter of his relief outing 50 times. <laughs> and that's what happened here with Cronenworth. Jury and Bell add on, and uh, and it was just, at that point, the momentum was so far in the Padres' favor, and they kind of kind of cruised the rest of the way. Now, I wrote a whole article about this one decision that Rob Thompson, the Phillies manager, made to go to hand in that spot. Brad Handron, way better than you realized this year. Yeah, no, he's been been fine. He's been fine. Yeah. Pretty pretty good. good. Mm -hmm. The point here, and it's really hard to fault a manager for not going to their best reliever in the fifth. 
Like that does feel really early, right? Mm-hmm. But that moment, second and third, with two outs in a tie game, was easily the most high leverage moment of the entire series so far, if not the entire series when it's done. Mm-hmm. And so in that moment, wouldn't you want your best possible reliever, in this case, Jose Alvarado, mm-hmm. who is allowed like one earned run since I was born, to be <laughs> the guy pitching in that spot? I would. And yeah. in that moment, right, you're basically thinking, if this game stays close and we limit their offense, we're going to face the top of their order two more times. Mm-hmm. And you want one of those times to be Jose Alvarado, and you want one of those times to be Sir Anthony Dominguez, and you don't really care when those two come. Now, Rob Thompson didn't do that. He stuck to the book. He kept Brad hand, or he went to Brad hand, and Brad's hand <laughs> opened. Yeah, I there's there's we can make many a Brad hand jokes, but the point is it didn't work out. Uh, Padres rolled, and and that was that was kind of that. Uh, got a cool Reese Homer. Uh, later in the game off of Robert Suarez, first pitch of the inning there. So congrats to Reese on that. But too little too late uh, as Josh Hader came in once again, <laughs> just throwing absolute fireballs as the Padres evened up the series and returned to Philadelphia, where I'm very excited to watch this series continue in the madhouse that is CBP uh, tomorrow. Did the first two games change your opinion on who will win the series, on how the series will go? What did you think before it started, and what do you think now? So, zooming back, a moment I don't think we really touched on in game one was the error from Bohm in the ninth, where they ultimately got out of it, right? But it was like that first inning, when we talked on the preview, I mentioned how the Padres had played close games, and they had come back, and they'd hang on, and the Phillies were playing easy. And that 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 Bohm play in, the, in game one, which they ultimately got out of and they won, was the first little crack of like, uh-oh, 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 Philly's tensing up. Here we go. They won that game. Credit to them. And then in this game, of course, we're talking about the fifth inning, but it did kind of speed up on them pretty quickly, sped up on Rob Thompson, you could argue, X, Y, Z. And so I would say no. I think you said Philly's in six. I said Padres in six. Um, and so we're, we're both feeling, I think, okay about that. What about you? There, Like I said, there was 30 minutes where it was Phillies are going to roll, you know, that's what's in. And then out of nowhere, the Padres came fighting back. I, I, I think the series is definitely, like I said, going to go back to San Diego. Mm-hmm. I worry about the Phillies in game three, just because of the pitching matchup. Musgrove and Suarez is really the biggest advantage that San Diego has. I would have liked the Padres to have won the Nola Snell game and Nola showing weakness is a problem for how I feel about the Phillies because he would be the game six starter, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, oh, I feel less good about that now than I did before. Yep. That being said, I think the Phillies are going to show up tomorrow in front of this crowd. I don't, the Padres are not ready for this. They're not. (laughs) They're not ready for how unhinged these people in this city are. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. I cannot wait for the madness tomorrow. I will say that I think it's good to have Musgrove, who just did it to City Field. Uh, and I know it's not totally the same, but I would say that as far as you know, tense environments, I feel good that we just saw Musgrove do this on the road. Um, and so that makes me feel good about that. Um, a few series ago, but totally fair point. 
And I think that that these these games in Philly are just are going to be a blast, man. It's going to be, and, and it's just cool that that right. You, you're you're going to have three games in Philly. Like that's <laughs> that's that's already exciting on its own. Uh, before we move on to the American League, I want to tell a quick story. So I'm in San Diego. I'm in the uh, press conference room post game after game two. You know, I'm asking questions. I'm being an intrepid reporter. I inquire with Rob Thompson. Did you consider going to Alvarado there in the fifth inning? He said no. He didn't think he he, he didn't consider it. It was too early for him. I asked a good question. Good good job, Jake. Yeah, Very Jake, good. asking questions in the press conference. As as the reporters do, you know, we file and go to the elevator. The elevator goes back down. That's how it works over at uh, Petco Park. And I'm in the elevator. It's me, Rob Thompson, the Phillies PR guy, and, uh, you know, a couple other reporters. And I turn to the PR guy. I say, hey, are you guys working out tomorrow in Philly? And I, I no, I sorry. I said, what time are you guys working out tomorrow? Right, on the off day. On the off day. Yeah. On the off day. And they said, we're not working out tomorrow. And I turn to Rob Thompson. And I go, I'm not working out either. And the doors open and I walk out the elevator. And I think that I got a tiny Uh-oh. little glimpse of a smile from the most freakishly stoic man under the <laughs> yeah, sun. Yeah, we haven't seen many of those. We haven't seen a whole lot of those, so so credit to you. Also, excellent timing there, right? You know, a slow elevator door, and, you know, maybe that joke doesn't land quite as well. But it Especially seems like- after a loss. <laughs> oh, true, true. He could have been a little grumpier. But to your point, I think you, you took advantage of the fact that Rob Thompson has never had a different facial expression in his life. It seems like you you lightened up the mood a little bit. I, I love that. Well, I was comforted, actually, by how few times I've seen him laugh and smile. Because I assumed that no matter how much of a banger mm-hmm. my dad joke was, mm-hmm. that he wouldn't laugh. And so it wasn't for him. It was for me. Mm-hmm. You should make your jokes for you, listeners. That's, That's, that, hey, hey. That's been true for us for over a decade. So that's Hell not yeah. that's that's nothing new to to, to you know our recipe to success. <laughs> so, that is very very true. That is the NL. Yes, we will move on to the AL yes. right after we take a break because yes. I need to blow my nose. We'll talk to you in a second. Hey everyone, this is Lindsay Rhodes, host of the NFL Roadshow, a Series XM podcast, inviting you to join me three, yes, three times a week for NFL analysis that goes beyond the low-hanging fruit. On Mondays, we react to the biggest stories of the NFL weekend. On Wednesdays, we pick one topic to really dig in on. And on Fridays, I'll give you all the fantasy football advice you need in just 15 minutes. We call it the Fantasy 15. Download new episodes of the NFL Roadshow right now on the SXM app, included with all of our trials and popular plans, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back on Baseball Barbacast. Jake has uh, taken some time to blow his nose and get right. But guess what? He's going to keep blowing his nose because he's not feeling well. Uh, I'm doing my best. Hey, (laughs) I still sound like there's stuff in my nose because there is. Uh, Let's move on to the American League where we have not seen any games since we last podcasted. We gave you our preview of the Yankees and the Astros. The Yankees, because of the crazy rain delay or multiple rainouts, and a five-game series had to just go straight to Houston and face the best team in the league, maybe the best team in the league, the the world, in the Astros. And Justin Verlander decided, you know what? I am going to not give up 10 hits and six runs uh, this time around. <laughs> and uh, in game one, he was simply brilliant. 
Now, Jake, I understand you did not uh, watch a whole lot of this game. Is that is that fair to say? That is fair to say. This game was time is a flat circle for me right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game was yesterday evening. Mm-hmm. I was writing post game mm-hmm. stories in the press box at San Diego's stadium, which is called Petco Park, named after a dog food store. Uh, no free ads. But I yes, that is true. I did not watch this game. So if you could do me a favor, Jordan, if you could hold my hand metaphorically because we're in different states mm-hmm. and tell me what I missed in game one of the ALCS, that would be delightful. Here, here are the, the main themes. We don't have to go the whole game, but uh, Harrison Bader hit another home run. So that was a good place to start is that Harrison Bader hit another home run off just off Justin Verlander in the top of the second. And at which point we we're thinking this is Solaire, Jock, Eddie Rosario rolled into one boy from Horace Mann. <laughs> who, who can also play good defense, unlike everyone you just named. Yes, yes. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm writing about Bader for Fox uh, for this weekend. And uh, here's a fun fact for Harrison Bader. Harrison Bader hit five home runs in the regular season. Two of them, one of them was an inside the park and the other one was off, off Josh Van Meter. <laughs> he already has four home runs over the fence this postseason. So he has <laughs> more home runs over the over fence, the fence in off of real pitchers yes. in the postseason than, than he, he did, did in the regular season. Yes. So something has gotten into Harrison Bader. He didn't homer in game two, but he did have a couple more good at bats, hard hit balls. Um, Bader is on fire. Judge is starting to get a little better. He's hit some balls hard. He had a ball in game two, almost over the right field fence. He's looking good. Rizzo, quality at bats. Everyone else has been truly horrific in this Yankees lineup. They struck out 17 times in game one, which was the second most they've ever struck out, only to their 18 strikeout performance in the 2020 uh, postseason against the Rays. 17 strikeouts in game one. The Astros struck out two times in game one. It was the largest strikeout differential in postseason history, which was incredible to watch. Uh, now, why didn't the Astros strike out? Well, they were facing Tyon, who did not strike anybody out. He was fine. Honestly, he did his job. One run over four innings, four and a third. It, under those circumstances, not the worst outing in the world. They go to Clark Schmidt because he was more rested and they think he's Michael King. He's not. He gets out of an inning with the big double play. After that, he gives up two homers. Uh, air is just sucked out of the building. But in game one, the Yankees offense was atrocious. It was so bad. And it Wait, seemed like you mean pitching- air is sucked out of the building. The air would be sucked into the building. Sucked, it's in, Houston. Oh, sucked into the building. That's true. Sucked out of the, I guess the Yankees dugout, which didn't have much life to begin with. That's um, not a building. Yeah, the air is true. sucked out of the dugout and the air is pumped into the building. Into the building. That's a good. Okay, you're right. I, I need to work on my my uh, my phrases. It's it, it, trying to again. I'm trying to paint a picture, and I'm I'm stumbling here. I apologize. I'm confused about airflow direction in regards to the reaction of this particular. It, hold on, airflow air is going to come back into play in game two. So so just hang on. To that. Oh wow! But the the main thing in game one you need to know is that Aaron Boone seemed committed, somewhat understandably, to not use his best pitchers because they were coming in with no off days, and honestly, going up against Verlander in that spot in game one. Are you really expecting to win game one? Maybe not. It was just a tough look when it was still tied halfway through the game to maybe try and steal one. The point is, Yankees offense, terrible. Let me say something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is indicative of what I think is Boone's biggest weakness as a manager. Mm -hmm. He is very good at staying steady. Mm -hmm. When the Yankees kind of started to, we'll say, take on water, in August, he didn't really blink, right? Like he was like, we're fine. 
We're going to keep playing this guy here. We're going to keep doing that guy there. Our best players are hurt. We're a good baseball team, right? And that, a lot of the time, is true and it has paid off. He is not good at deviating in the moment, right, and zagging. I'm sure that the piece of paper he was holding in front of him said that Clark Schmidt was the guy in that spot. Yep. Now, yep. I don't think that the piece of paper said they would be tied at one at that point. And like, <laughs> yeah. there are managers who would yeah. be able to read, like Buck, mm-hmm. I would imagine, would be able to read and react and to try and win the baseball mm-hmm. game in front of him and to not worry about the one tomorrow. Yeah, and Trevino was really the one that I think most people wanted to see. He came in after and, and looked good. Um, but the other things, biggest issues for this <laughs> for this game for the Yankees, can't. This is Tyon can't be allowing Mal- Martin Maldonado to hit a, a, an RBI double. Martin Maldonado then reached base three more times in Game Two. I mean, this is just this is if you want to win this series, that is not the recipe for success. Also in Game One, Altuve 0 for three, Alvarez 0 for two, Bregman 0 for three, Tucker 0 for four. None of them scored a run. And the Astros still scored four runs. That was because Jeremy Pena, who we talked a lot about in the preview, hit a huge homer late. Three hits. He is an absolute superstar. That's game one. Game two tonight. (sighs) Fromber, Luis Severino. We just saw Fromber and Luis Castillo last week in a matchup of, again, again, two of the, the best Dominican pitchers on earth. Huge spot for Severino. And he was really, really good. He was really good. He, he looked great. They sent him back out for the sixth inning after he had allowed a home run. Oh, there's a good sneeze from Jake. Alex Bregman tags him for a 91.8 mile an hour exit velocity home run into the Crawford boxes, which you can say, oh, that's bullshit. But that's kind of what Alex Bregman does better than anybody else. (laughs) He has perfected this more than Altuve, more than any of the other, more than Correa did. This is why Bregman is on the Astros. He has done it better than anyone else. He brought his hands in on a 97-mile-an-hour fastball, and he hit it into the Crawford boxes because he knows how to do it better than anybody else. What was the distance on it? I saw the highlight of it. It didn't look like it was that short. Like It it hit the back of the boxes, right? Okay. Let's circle back to the airflow. The roof was open tonight in Minute Maid, and the wind was howling out to left field. Great baseball thing that I love so much. What is the best way... There are two primary ways that they show that it is windy uh, during a baseball broadcast. There, one is obvious, and then what is what is the second one? The flags. The flags is number one. But the second one, which makes me laugh, and for some reason they were doing a lot tonight, is the umpire's pants. <laughs> because huh? the baseball pants are usually too tight to be blowing in the wind. But all the umps are wearing baggy pants. And so you can see whether it's the base umps or whether it's it's even the home plate umps, the the umpire's pants were just gusting like crazy every time they, they, they showed them. And because of that, it was, it was very clearly extremely windy. <laughs> and uh, I believe that helped Alex Bregman's baseball carry deep into the Houston evening. Uh, and over the fence. So yes, it didn't quite land as short as some of his ones in the past. Uh, the wind definitely helped it because he did not hit it very hard. But again, it was still a great piece of hitting. Brought his hands in. That's what Alex Bregman does. And that's all they needed to do. Altuve was 0 for 4 again. Alvarez had a hit late, but had two strikeouts early. He's still trying to get going. 
Tucker was was fine, didn't really do much. Gurriel has turned it on like crazy this postseason. He was so bad in the regular season. He has been tremendous um, in all of their postseason games. And then Maldonado reached base a few more times, which just can't happen whatsoever. Uh, and then Fromber, my, my beloved Fromber Valdez, was, was delightful. Uh, as always, he was having a great time. And the only Yankees run scored because of, really, because of a Valdez very goofy PFP error, which if you have not seen that, I think you were watching tonight, one of the funnier uh, plays uh, of, of, of the season for a pitcher, but didn't end up hurting them. And the Astros held on once again uh, with Abreu and Presley in the eighth and ninth. Judge hits a ball to the wall. That I saw in the eighth inning, uh, deep, deep, deep to right, as it would have been the go-ahead run, and that ball stays at the wall. Is that be- was Which way was the wind blowing? Th- wind definitely blowing more out to left field. Um, now, I don't know if that wind specifically knocked it down, but yeah, I mean, that was, again, Judge was Judge had some some good swings. He had some hard outs earlier. Uh, at Bader, again, they moved him to the leadoff spot, which seems insane, but was totally good. Um, but again, bottom of the order, you know, this is this is really the issue with, with this Yankees lineup right now. <laughs> they have just automatic outs. And yes, Donaldson has still had a couple big walks in, in these first couple games, but he is not really hit. He had one double earlier. But the bottom three, Higashioka and Oswald and Oswaldo, and as exciting as it is, I know you're you're dying for Os- Oswald and Oswaldo because IKF can't hit, but these are rookies with like 20 at-bats sending them up against the best pitching in the world. Like, it, I'm sorry, it's a lot to ask of them. And that's why, you know, you you get an 0 for 9 from the bottom three and, and you, you just can't be shocked. Um, and, and that's really where that, my biggest takeaway, and people have made this point, I mean... We are not the biggest DJ LeMahieu fans, but boy, did they miss that guy. I mean, Ben Benintendi too, but DJ LeMahieu, sure, he's not crushing the ball like he was inexplicably in 2020, but his at-bats do not suck. <laughs> his at-bats do not suck. Same with Ben Benintendi. And these at-bats right now, they suck. They suck everything after Rizzo, whether it's Glaber, Donaldson, besides when he's walking, and the bottom of the order, Carpenter, I mean, poor guy. Again, he didn't play for two months. They've just thrown him in here. He's 0 for 7 with seven strikeouts. It's just He's not still Matt Carpenter. He's st- <laughs> like, there are, even though when he was good, like, he was amazing, right? He's still a 36 year old first yeah, baseman it, who had a broken foot for five, you know, weeks. Let me make a quick point here about LeMayhew and Benintendi. There's a lot of cri- criticism of the Yankees lineup for being too one dimensional. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes that's fair. But the two guys who provide the most different type of at bat, LeMayhew and Benintendi, who they acquired to be a foil to everything else they had, are the two guys who are hurt and unavailable. Right. And so it looks even more one note because of who is healthy enough to be in the lineup. And that's just a bad bounce. Now, you could probably say, hey, Jake, the New York Yankees and their eight bajillion dollar (laughs) payroll. Should be more prepared than to have two rookies and Kyle fucking Hagashioka as their 789. And to that, I would say, yes, you are exactly correct. That is the right response. Mm-hmm. And the Astros would never let that happen. They would only hit one horrible hitter at the bottom of their lineup. <laughs> and Maldonado has inexplicably been amazing. And, you know, McCormick had the homer in game one. And Diaz hasn't really done anything. But Gurriel has been showing up and he's batting sixth. So it just, it's just... 
The Astros have played close games in all five postseason games of which they have won all of them. They haven't won any of them by more than two runs. And it's because the pitching is that good. It's because they've been there a bajillion times before. And it's because they're just so damn comfortable and so damn good. And they don't fuck up. That's the thing. If I had told you before the series, the Yankees are going to get a great start from both Tyon and Severino. Alvarez and Altuve are going to go like a combined one for the moon. Mm -hmm. A Harrison Bader is going to stay locked in. You're like, oh, well, Yankees could (laughs) definitely take one of those. (laughs) But this is what's amazing about the Astros. Mm -hmm. You can play your best game, and the Yankees, to be clear, have not done that. I'm just saying. Like the Mariners. We talked about this with the Mariners. You can play a great game against the Astros, and they will still beat you because they can get you in so many different ways. If the offense has has a bad night, the pitching is incredible enough to keep them in the ball game and win three to two. Yep. If the pitching has a bad night, the offense can carry them and you they can win eight to seven. That's yep. why they are the best team left in the postseason. That's why they're the favorite to win a ring. Yep. And it's not it's, that complicated. Yeah. And and again, like the Yankees, they, the offense is really you. You can't. I don't think that anyone's yelling at Boone for anything he did in this game. Like. It was it was just a, the, the offense is going to have to do something because it is and and again they're facing the, the best pitching staff so it's not it's not easy this is when it is supposed to be hard um, but man you're going to need more than this because <laughs> this is just is just not good enough now is it shocking that Houston is going back to New York up to nothing no not particularly and now they get to hand the ball to Garrett Cole uh, but again as good as Garrett Cole is going to be you know McCullers is going to be out there on the other on the other side and. Lance has been tremendous uh, since he came back, and the Yankees are going to have to score runs. And look, we know Cole has been great, and we believe in him, and we just talked recently on a recent episode about how much we appreciate and believe in Garrett Cole. He's still homer prone, and there are guys on this team, anyone anyone on this roster can poke one over the fence in the Bronx, and that might just be enough to beat them again. So I'm I'm curious to see how, how the Yankees respond once they're back at home, but it Nothing has really shocked me. Like the Astros are just that good. And as as exhausting as it's been, I'm sure for Yankees fans to play in these relatively close games, you just can't be that surprised. The Astros are that much better. I'm beginning to look at interesting restaurant options for Houston, Texas. <laughs> again. Again. <laughs> again. Again. It's the you know, like there are certain cities uh-huh. that base their economic year mm-hmm. around a single event, like Omaha. Yep. Right, like Omaha accounts for the hosting the World Series every year. And, you know, in COVID 2020, there was a real economic hit for a lot of the businesses without the World Series there. Mm-hmm. Whenever Houston doesn't have the Astros in the ALCS anymore, is that going to be a problem for the city of Houston? I. Fortunately, as I look at this roster, I'm not sure we're going to have to find out anytime soon. Um, anyway, uh, we're going to we're going to cut it here um, because Jake really needs to go to sleep and blow his nose some more. Um, and also because uh, <laughs> just be glad you're not seeing what I'm seeing on this Zoom. Um, but thank you for joining me late into this evening. We have one uh, more Jake thing. Pence. We oh, got yeah, one, one more thing. thing. Yep. Yeah, we got one more thing. Jordan Schuster. We love. Yoannis Cespedes. And Yoannis <laughs> Cespedes, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, went four for four the other night and hit his first home run of the year in the Dominican Winter League. If you're listening and you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Jordan and I, no, that's probably not the place to start. 
Jordan and I went to middle school together. Uh, no, the Dominican Winter League is a uh, baseball circuit that takes place in the Dominican during the winter. Duh. A lot of the players in it are either prospects or washed up dudes that you remember from five years ago, including Ioannis Cespedes, who we love, who's playing for the first time uh, in a long time down there. And he is playing professional baseball for the first time since the summer of 2020. And he looks pretty good. Looks pretty good. But boy, I, I've never seen something more obvious than Yoannis having one good game and the entirety of Mets Twitter being like, well, what? Just bring him back. I mean, this is the easiest. Not even jokes. People were just like, get Darren Ruff's bum ass out of here. Like, let's just bring this guy back again. <laughs> it's so funny. It is, I, it is such a great reminder of his ridiculous approval rating despite his absurd tenure in, <laughs> in Queens. But that's why we love him. And, it is, it is not complicated. Honestly, I mean this truly when I say this. I don't care if he comes back next season. I am so happy to be watching him play right now for any reason, for any amount of time to watch him in a home run. It is a delight. Whatever happens after this is gravy. It's great to have him back. All right, we're done. That's the that's it. Uh, you can email us at baseballbarbercast at gmail.com. We will be back uh, at some point in the next few days. Uh, Jake's health status, TBD. Um, But good luck. Enjoy Philadelphia. And we will talk to you all very soon. Bye-bye. Serious XM Podcasts.